with a family that the Spokane City Council wouldn't even let finish their argument uh, only a couple of years ago in November, but, but to this day, and was even redirected by Governor Inslee just in April. So the family I have now, the Simons, Teresa and Ron, good evening, uh, guys. Thanks for joining me. Well, it was actually the Spokane Superior Court, and Governor Inslee wouldn't take five minutes to listen to us, even though we drove 500 miles to go talk to him about the case. Well, tell us about we the case, because also... our, 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 our listeners are not familiar. So you have a son named Christopher, and unfortunately, he was wrongfully taken away from you with the help of the, the Washington state government. Is that correct? That's correct. What happened is that we refused to let our kid go on a cruise alone in a one-bed cabin with a 60-plus-year-old male. And they filed in court and got restraining orders, and they took our kid on the cruise. They told us we'd get our kid back after the cruise was over. We'd talk about it. And when we came back, we found ourselves aligned with attorneys who had no intentions of returning our kid based on the fact that they could make a lot of money off of the case. Hmm. We have emails from the attorney saying that the other attorney came to his office at the time of service and told him to drag this thing on as long as they could. They could make lots of money. Well, let's let's take let's take let's take us back a little bit. You were actually friends with these people that that successfully took Chris from your arms, weren't you? Yeah, they were the babysitters, and Ron's friend of forty years from Albertsons. Uh, so yeah, there was a long history there, and they decided to go into court and say our kid was their kid, and we didn't know who our kid was. They said that they had him from a week old, and 18 months later, the judge said, they're not drunks, they're not drug addicts, they're not violent, they're not crazy. They know who their kid is. You lied about it out the time that you had him for. He, he always lived in the segment's home. They loved their kid very much. Um, I'm going to restore them, their fit parents, but in the meanwhile, go ahead and keep them while we go through another trial. Well, and you had, by the way, I was referred to you guys from our friend Bill Mansoros. He's actually a friend of the games, which is a physically challenged, and he put together a documentary, which we can find on your YouTube. Is that correct? That's right. It's called Spokane County Court Corruption. And and, and so... It's, mm-hmm. it's also on Facebook under Spokane County Court Corruption. And, and it has 45,000 hits on Facebook. Well, that, that means your story is getting out there. Now, what was Chris like in the 13 years you had him? Obviously, you raised him well. He had a 3.75 GPA, you were telling me. So what was it like being around Chris before this disaster happened? Can I answer a little bit of that? Or Christopher was involved in about every sport he... Uh, uh, I went to uh, two or three years of soccer with him. Uh, a couple of years of baseball. He did golf. He was in karate for six years. He was a Cub Scout. He was a Boy Scout. Uh, we did the Hiawatha Trail, which is uh, it's a trail in, in Idaho here, which is something. It's a really nice trail. It's like 
15 miles long one way. I think we did 32 miles that day uh, just on the trail together. Uh, he was always positive and outgoing. Up until this point, we never missed a open house for school or never missed a teacher's conference. Uh, never had any complaints from anybody saying that we were doing something wrong. It would be the police, the school department, the teachers, the neighbors, CPS, or anybody else. Mm. And literally, I went to pick him up from school one day, and they said, well, he's in the back working with the teachers, uh, working with a teacher, and it'll be a little bit. And I said, okay, fine. About 15 minutes later, they came, came out and served me with a restraining order. And did that throw you for a loop? How did you react at that moment, Ron? Well, I reacted to the point where I, I calmly thought to myself, well, this can't happen because there's no way they can do this. Mm. And, you know, I said, okay. And I, you know, we immediately, uh, uh, you know, sought uh, counsel, I think, the next day. And that was the beginning of a five-year battle that, we couldn't win because the odds were stacked against us. And Teresa, what were your memories of, of Chris uh, from age zero to 13 and the times you've spent with him? I was breastfeeding him. So for him to have been someplace else in the first year, I don't know how they pulled that one off. I mean, when you're breastfeeding, what was I doing? Taking my boobs someplace else? Mm. You know, I mean, I don't mean to go there, but, you know, I was at doctor's appointments. I was taking care of my son. I had a daughter in the mix of this. I was running her back and forth to school. They were years apart. They swam in the pool together. They did things together. We had dinners together. We had breakfast and lunch together. We I took him to school, picked him up from school. Yes, he went to school, and they picked him up sometimes, but they didn't pick him up every day. These were friends that you know, wanted something to do with my son. We had vacations together. We went skiing. Uh, we went to Oregon, Seattle, Arizona. I paid for, we paid for her to have surgery. Ron had put 22 squares of roofing on the guy's roof. Their car had been, their motorhome had been towed out by Guido for non-payment. We found $5,000 and we paid to save their motor motorhome we helped them put a house together on the north side they got back when the brother died i fought with the bank to save the note on that house i managed to get them a settlement in court these were people that i mean we absolutely knew who each other was we went to see her mother in idaho which by the way she was removed from her mother's care four months prior to the um the abduction of our son uh, that would be KCV 2014-584 out of Shoshone County, Idaho. So they removed her from her mother, taking care of her mother, to giving her our son with, without even a hearing as to why we were having our kid taken. We had an adequate cause hearing that should have happened, some form of a shelter hearing or a CPS hearing or a court hearing, that would have said what we did wrong when they took our child, but that hearing never happened. 
We never had a hearing as to why our child was taken. Teresa and, and Ron, it's it sounds horrible. And the distress you must have gone through as these people that were so-called your friends um, were backstabbing you at the same time and literally taking your kid away. But did you ever notice a fascination with Chris that they had earlier than 13? Like, did they show any signs that this could happen? Yes and no. Yes, they were interested in our son, and yes, they liked to take him camping on the 4th of July when there was a parade up in Avery, Idaho, and he would go. I went up and I shot pictures of the parade, so they went up to watch the fireworks. Yes, that happened. We're not going to say it didn't, but lots but of But it was innocence. It, it, it was innocence. This is, this is beyond innocence, though, when you ask for a one cabin with the 60-year-old. Yeah, that's beyond innocence, and that's the second child. Hmm. We found out through the process that there had been, we knew that there had been a person named Trina Anderson around out of uh, Spokane who eventually moved to, I think, South Carolina. And she left with her kids, but Doris was also watching her kids, and the boy would go fishing with Wayne. And then when she left, Wayne didn't have the boy to go fishing with. Well, our private investigator broke the news to us after the fact that the kid nowadays is a heroin addict and he's never returned to see Wayne. Meanwhile, your son is kind of locked in. He's 18 now and you believe he's brainwashed, right? It's called um, Stockholm Syndrome where the captor buys your, the, the person being taken items like bows and arrows and ski jets jet skis and tells them how great they are and tells them your mom and dad or this or that and they're and they're alienating him telling him things like we really can't afford you in august of 2014 i went ahead and booked a cruise for the family i went ahead and booked a cruise for the family to alaska and i told christopher christopher about it and the first thing out of his mouth was you can't, uh, you can't afford it. And that would have been a, a direct result of what Wayne was telling him. Hmm. Now you Wayne had, take... well, you, you, and you had tons of lie detector tests to prove that you were both innocent and responsible for your child. Um, they told, they tried to paint me to be a pedophile and, um, First off, I don't trust lie detectors, but I went ahead and took it, and I passed. And it was the questions were, have I ever been violent to my kid? Have I ever done anything to set out to hurt him? And the lie detector came back as, no, we don't believe Teresa's ever done anything to hurt her son, nor do we believe that she's touched him inappropriately. A detective said I haven't touched him inappropriately and that there was no evidence that that ever happened. And CPS also questioned whether or not the relationship between Wayne Janky and our son was appropriate and asked the guardian litem and the judge to uh, investigate that portion. But CPS also asked uh, the GAL, Kim Camel, if she was going to bother to run a background check on our kid and the other people, which never happened. They gave our child away in the end 
and I obtained from the court administrator's office an email that said that the judge was inquiring as to whether a background check had ever gotten done. And when somebody said, well, surely the GAL must have done it, and uh, the judge came back and said, uh, it's not gotten done, Cy, I've already given the kid away. That's like four years after they took our kid. Actually, the uh, um, the lady from CPS that uh, did an investigation said, uh, basically said that she was certain that uh, Teresa hadn't done it, uh, had never done anything to uh, uh, sexually abuse him or anything else, but she was really concerned about Wayne's relationship with him. Rightfully so. And uh, you, you then, you know, charge these prosecutors and the judge with collusion. Tell us about that, because that is a big crux of the story, isn't it? Well, the prosecutor was in charge of collusion. The guardian had lied him, and the judge were accused by the whistleblower of having ex parte meetings, which are unrecorded meetings in the judge's chambers. And... That was found to have happened by the Washington State Bar. Now, the Washington State Bar does not make rulings on the judge for doing that. The Judicial Conduct Commission does. The Washington State Bar said that the communication between the judge and the GAL had, in fact, happened and was off of the record, and it wasn't the GAL's issue to report it. It was the judge's. It did not make the record until we brought the information forward in a motion to vacate against Judge Marino for uh, having off-the-record communication, falsifying the court records, manipulating the court file, and having and having participated in collusion as as a, as stated by the uh, whistleblower's records. The whistleblower set records back and forth between her and the guardian ad litem, which are still documents, but the concept on them is that she sent an email message to her. She said, so you went to Judge Marino's chambers, and she told you she wants you to file what? And she comes back, and she says something like, well, she wants us to file documents that there's been no visitations between the parents and that they're not interested. And she said, well, that's not true. And the other party has just filed for emancipation in the other court. And can you, um, and we probably should be mentioning that. She says, I don't think the judge wants us to mention that. She didn't say she did. So that stuff's in writing. What was the whistleblower's role? What was, where was she from? CPS, the prosecutor? Where was the whistleblower out of? Uh, she actually worked for uh, Witherspoon Kelly, which was the uh, attorney firm. Uh, that the uh, guardian ad litem worked out of, which a lot of things were, so many things are strange about this case that it's hard to get anybody to to understand it. The guardian, we're the the biological parents. They take our kid. It took her two and a half months to do a house visit here. And you believe she's kind of dragging her feet on this still, right? Dragging her feet? She was dragging the whole wagon. I mean, Mm. Any reasonable person could have walked through the house, looked at the picture. I, I even showed her where I had the rail. I, I put down a, a lower handrail because we have a, a second story to the house. You know that. You know, so 
you know, a three or four year old kid could grab a rail, you know, walking up and down the, uh, you know, going up and down the stairs, you know. Mm. I still had the rail hold. There was still marks on his door showing where we'd marked his height, you know. All of the pictures and things like that, the upholstery that we had bought at the uh, the, uh, book fair and stuff were there. His karate uniform. We had declarations disappeared. Wow. Literally. Declaration after declaration. We had 30 and 40-year friends of Ron that she met with that she failed to mention in her GAL report. She did, however, testify that she met with our son prior to the case ever being filed and again before she was appointed. So that would be like me meeting with your kid. How would you know, how would I know to meet with your kid prior to the case ever being filed? It's almost like she was tipped off or something. It's bizarre. Uh, Well, I want to ask about the friends. So your inner circle, their inner circle, did anybody from the janky inner circle say this is wrong? Was there anybody standing up for you guys on their side? And how about the support from your end as well? Like, how about your circle of friends? Their friends wrote declarations like they didn't know who we were, but they were describing the vehicles that we came and went in all the time. Um, I can name her. I can name her neighbors off. You know, we had a, a lady named Susan Harmon who was the um, the dean of Gonzaga Law School's personal secretary who put declarations into the court as a witness, never took the stand, and received emails from the court that we never received. She was a witness. And when we pointed that that out to them, that they were sending emails to witnesses, they tried to say no harm, no foul. And I said, I'd like to see all those emails, please. They told me I had to go to the court administrator's office to get the same emails that she received in time with sealed documents cooked to them. And the other one was Buckle that lived across the street. We knew the neighbors. I, I, Bucko would come over. We'd, we'd be, be, we would be, literally be sitting in uh, Wayne's uh, driveway, you know, talking. You know, uh, Christopher would be playing. Bucko would be uh, the guy across the street. Well, then, when all of this goes down, they all write these declarations saying how, that they didn't know us and everything else until they found out that they may have to testify. And then I don't think uh, they disappeared. They all disappeared. Yeah. How did and the state buy? How did the state buy all this? That's what I'm trying to figure out too. How did the state buy all of this? They're trying to run another thing. What they're trying to do is they're trying to take biological parent kids and give them to other people, and get a case law that allows them to do that, so they can take people's kids and and move them instead of through foster care. They can just go give them away and not have the same liability as if they had been put into foster care. It was. It's my. It is my understanding that the state was in trouble for uh, uh, the way they were handling the foster care program. I guess they a lot allocated a, a lot of money trying to put the children back into the uh, biological homes. Yeah? And rather than that happening, the uh, the uh, foster parents ended up adopting the kids out and every every time that there was a visit 
to the biological parents, they would find something wrong that, you know, when they came back or something happened or whatever. And if they wanted to uh, adopt the kid, then, you know, therefore, you know, the, the uh, biological parents were not supposed to be fit. Neither one of us have ever, ever had a record. Mm. Have, you know, I mean, uh, it must have been really disheartening for the guardian at Lightham to find out we, you know, there was no police record. There was no uh, you know, uh, uh, abuse program. There was no violence. No school records, no drug records, no crazy records. Matter of fact, they ruled us as fit, and then they still had to figure out how to give our kid away. So that's when they ran this whole second trial, and they tried to falsify the court records. And that's part of the dragging your feet, because they tried to drag it on. And, you know, it's a kid we're talking about, not a car. Right. I mean, it's not a bicycle that got stolen. They, they took it on for, what, how many years? Four years. They just drug it on and on and on and on, you know? Try to get well, up to eight feet. We mediation. Yeah, and you guys are still fighting this. Talk about that really quickly, how you're fighting it to this day. Well, first off, I'd like to say that we went to mediation. We were forced into mediation with the kidnappers who agreed to send them home, and the judge and the GAL uh, decided not to send him home. We went to... Uh, uh, Wayne went into deposition a week or two after he took our kid and admitted to people in mediation that we were always fit parents, but he never said we were unfit. So if we're not unfit, if nobody can come up with we're unfit, why is it we don't have our child? Why does our child go from a 3.75 grade point average to when you're supposed to graduate high school, a flat up zero? And why is the judge allowing audio pornography to be sent to my son? And when I complain about it, they just say, oh, no big deal, no harm, no foul. Every, well, that's a, that's a question to still keep asking, right? I mean, you got to keep asking these questions. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're every step of the way, we were blocked. We had everybody sign off on mediation. You know, we weren't happy about it, but we got – we mediated for about eight hours. Everybody signed off on on Three attorneys, four people, two that were non-adults, two that were parents. Wayne and Doris signed off, send the kid home. We signed off, send our kid home. Their attorney and our two attorneys said, send the kid home. They walked in the court the next day, and the judge said, just kidding. And the guardian ad litem same thing. Your guardian ad litem had written in her contract that if anybody was unhappy, uh, what she would withdraw. Everybody had signed off for for the guardian item to leave, and oh no! How about the reunification? So th this this kind of part of that conversation, the reunification process. It seems like you were rightfully deserved of that. We oh, yeah. went and found our own reunification specialist, and we sat with her for over sixty appointments, trying to figure out how to help our son come home, trying to say. We're ready. We'll help you come home. We love you. We're going to make this work. We're going to try to get your life back on track. It's not your fault. It's, it's not your fault. 60, 60 appointments that we sat with a reunification specialist. And then we get to the end of the trial and judge says, oh, yeah, I'm going to send them home. It takes them six months to find us a reunification doctor because they insist it has to be a doctor with as much damage that's done. 
We go to the appointments. We attend. We give her enough information to realize that this is this is who Wayne and Doris are. This is what Christopher's been through. This is who we are. This is their fact. There's no background check. This is the fact that we love our son and we want him home. And she says, yeah, you guys should have your kid. And then the next thing I know, the next week we're headed back into trial for third-party custody. It's like they waited that whole time to get the reunification doctor to say, yeah, he should come home. And then we couldn't get a written report from her that was signed. We went all the way through third party. The judge said, yep, you need to be reunified. In the middle of that, I finally get a signed doctor document that says, send the kid home. The parents love him very much. And our attorneys refused to file it. They refused to file it because they're running another agenda. Their agenda is to get kids to go from two biological parents to a non-biological so that they can move all these foster kids. But we don't know that they're running the second agenda. Is there, money, is there money involved in this too? Is that part of their efforts? Well, in the long haul, there's money because the state saves a lot of money not putting kids into foster care. They place them someplace and on third party. They're not only not liable, but those parents are never going to get them back. There's hmm. no path to getting the kid back on a third party custody. And I don't know what the specifics are as far as, like, foster kids normally have a free ride to uh, college and everything else. I don't know if that goes with, a, uh, what do they call them now, guardians? As, as you guys are fighting now, and then you see what's going on in Seattle, it feels like it sort of matches the tenor of the state. Like, they don't care about actual citizens. They just want people to do anarchy there, it seems like. Well, they're doing the same thing here. You know, they we, we voted on some things here. Everybody voted, and they, when we got done voting, they said, oh, you really didn't want it there. You really want it downtown, you know? And they don't care what you vote. You know, they, they don't really care. One thing we need to mention is the, the people that we're talking about are not married. They're not a, uh, not a couple. They're not even a couple. How do wow. you think? Yeah. And, you know, when the economy crashed in 2007, 2008, and he was out of work, they even took his cell phone back because he worked for a construction, for a construction company. We had him here working on our place so he could pay his bills. But he didn't But he didn't know us. And, you know, I have pictures of, of him, Christopher, and I sitting at the table together, you know. We spent all our holidays together. They were here every year for Christmas. She was here, uh, the lady Doris was here for a uh, cookie uh, exchange December of 2014. That that wasn't a small thing. There was like a hundred plates of cookies on my table, and everybody brought cookies. So it wasn't just small little, sure. here, you'd give me a plate, give me a plate. We're talking things and events that we did as families, you know, we traveled together. Guys, this, is, we, this, is, oh, this is also telling about the erosion of the family, right? And it sounds like the government's yeah. helping. But tell us the one thing that you were going to say, uh, Ron. Uh, the one thing we should mention is we didn't, you know, we didn't realize that there was a major problem. But when his dad died and he came into a little bit of money. When, Will, when Wayne's dad died, the guy, he's saying he, when he, yeah. that would be Wayne. Okay, go ahead. 
When Wayne's dad died, he testified that he changed his dad's trust three days prior to the death of his father. His brother got beat out of everything. That is, um... When Idaho, mm. when Idaho removed Doris from her mother's care, the person at the uh, nursing home sent me to the courthouse because Doris apparently had taken off with all of her mother's assets and aging and adult protective services got involved. But when you ask the guardian in light to go across the state line, call across and see what happened, her answer is she doesn't get paid to call across state line. Sorry, she's not doing it. And we later found out that the background check that they did on Wayne was less than accurate and intentionally less than accurate. And then when it came to the third party trial, Wayne, knowing that the information was going to come out, uh, did not show up for the third party trial. So he was uh, removed with prejudice. Now, you said, had... you said this has happened to another kid with Wayne, right? So tell us about that. Well, we can't tell you a lot about that, but there was a lady named Trina Anderson, and she's like in South Carolina, and I have a phone number for her, um, who had two small kids and a teenager, and Wayne and Doris would offer to watch their kids, and not thinking of anything, she would, she would let them watch them for the weekend, and then she would go, she had a, a carnival company that put rides up where kids could come ride the rides. And that would operate a lot on the weekend. So she would drop the kids off at their house and Doris would watch the little one and Wayne would take the big one out fishing. Well, over time, things got pretty sticky with the things that Doris kept doing with her, um, degrading her to her family, hijacking her kids, et cetera. Always leaving money. Always money. And she took Doris on a cruise and, she, and when they came back, Doris tried to alienate everybody from... Trina, the person that had the kids, she would be telling everybody what a piece of crap she is. So Tina picked up her kids and she left. Well, then we heard from uh, Doris, please don't take Christopher away from us. Wayne, Wayne loves to do things with Christopher. So figuring, okay, well, you know, they could be part of this. Um, we got down to the end of it and um, we're the ones that got cut out. Doris made it sound like it was a foster child that Wayne Willie got attached to that, that got taken away. And for many years... That, that, that Trina did. left and took her foster kids with her, but they weren't Trina's foster kids. They were Trina's kids. We didn't know that. But when we had uh, GT Investigations pull down the paperwork on what happened to the teenager, we were informed that the teenager, Dominique, had become a heroin addict and had never returned to see Wayne. I know that Even you guys. That was, uh, I know that you told me Wayne's in the house now permanently, right? So he has to stay in. Does that frighten you even more, knowing that he's around your kid every day? They gave uh, guardianship to Doris, which lives with Wayne, which they already knew what the problems were, and Wayne is probably with uh, Christopher alone, and Doris is probably out at out the house. To tell you the truth. Well, we got. I don't. We, I don't think we got with, with We can't stop this fight. By the way, I think there are two things now that families are worried about: that forced education, forced public schooling, and now this. Because you say this is a 
12 state problem. Is that correct? Somebody investigated the other day and said that they're trying to do third custody in 12 states and they're trying to um, remove care from foster parents. I'm trying to think of what it's called. It's called a performance-based performance-based foster care. And they've got it going on in 12 states. So, yeah, we talked to a, a group out of Texas who said that they were very concerned, but Christopher's over the age of 18 now. And we're told to hold at bay because we filed a civil suit against Wayne and Doris for uh, alienation of affection and uh, fraud and um, uh, I want to say manipulation of the court records, but it's, it's fraud and something else. Mal, mal something. I don't know. I haven't seen that lawsuit for a while because we're still trying to get through this one to have that one. When we got through the first case, uh, the guardian item report was so pathetic that the uh, judge stated it, it was of little use. The judge said line 76, the uh, report and the uh, testimony of the guardian ad litem were not helpful. And you talk about being biased, you know, I mean, just for the fact that I had taken them to 42 orthodontist appointments should have been enough to say that there's no way you could have them, could have had them since he was a week old. But everything that, everything that, that would have showed anything uh, positive about us was overlooked or, you know, or disregarded, basically. Teresa and, and Ron, I've got to ask this. Were you able to afford a private attorney or because it's dealt in the state, they were just giving you a public attorney? No, actually, we were able to afford them. What we didn't realize was the same attorneys we had in our case came up through another case called the INRI AC, Holly Court. Our case was orchestrated off another case, and the intent is to change the way that children go from private parents to, uh, I don't want to say foster care, but to outside of foster care, private parents. And that's the design on our case is to change case law so they can just go in and snag a fit parent's kids and send them wherever they want. Will you spend how much? We've spent half a million dollars. Of our money. Now, I was talking to Teresa Offair. You are both believers. And so you feel God has put you in this position to talk about this. Is that right? Yeah, he has an agenda, and he doesn't want what's happening happening. And he's picked us to to actually be able to withstand what we've withstood, to question what's happening, and to bring awareness to people. Not only tell them what's going on, and the fact if you let your kid go to the neighbor's house, have them sign a piece of paper that says you're allowed to go there for the day. They're not your parents. Send them to the neighbor's house. We've learned so much. You don't take pictures of your kids. You take pictures of you with your kids. Mm. Yeah. Uh, That's proof that you're in their life. Yeah. If you take a picture of your kids the first day of school with the wife and you get a divorce, the wife has proof that she's at the school, but you have nothing. We we produced in excess, in excess of $47,000, $47,000 worth of receipts, daycare, and everything else. They asked the other side, Wayne and Doris, for uh, their accounting, and they said, oh, we shredded all of our our bank statements uh, three months before the trial started. 
How can New York help you in this fight? I know Bill Monceros is, is doing so, but how can other New Yorkers help you in this fight uh, in Spokane? You know, we don't actually know what to do anymore. We need an attorney to take the case that will look at the whole case and help us go after judges and GALs that are committing collusion because that's what we have. We have the idea of what's happened and we have evidence. We were ruled as fit parents, but we have no child. We actually need to have an attorney, a federal, a federal attorney, file for us a complaint against what's happened. We actually have something from an attorney this last week that said that they can't sue for our child because he's 18, but we can sue for the damages that happened. Unfortunately, that agency doesn't do that kind of suit. They'll only sue for the child. Do you guys have an email? Because I, I think I might want to try and connect you with a place called Pacific Coast Legal. They're very, very family-oriented. They might be able to help you guys out. And I've had them on my podcast talking about these kind of, you know, legal issues of all kinds. So I'd love to connect you guys up if you're interested. Yeah. It's agents, A-G-E-M-T, appraiser, A-P-P-R-A-I-S-E-R, at gmail. Okay. Perfect. We've got to get outside of Washington to get this suit taken. What you need to know is that our illustrious governor and his people in Olympia Took third party uh, to New, uh, I don't want to say New, well, New High. It used to be like grandparents could go after third party, you know, you know, uh, to petition for rights, you know, because you know they were involved in the child's life. The way it is now, it could be the the, the cleaning lady at the, it could be the Boy Scout guy, it could be anybody. It could be the guy at Fred Myers that saw your car in a parking lot. Mm. It, it it really could be anybody. Hey, you know, I also was inspired to talk about this because I've been researching the whole push to get us, you know, there's a group that wants us to be socialism and want us to work for the state. And I say, this is an example of why we cannot be socialists. We cannot let the state control our lives. And I, I just feel like fight fighting this fight is fighting against government encroachment. How do you take a 13-year-old boy who has two parents sitting in court saying, I have no idea why we're here. We don't want our kid on the cruise. The guys try to get him in a one-bed cabin. We don't want him on the cruise and the guardian. Then the court commissioner says, sure, have a great time. We'll talk about it when you get back. And if they've done anything wrong, then then uh, they're going to pay your attorney fees to get all the way to the end. And they're saying, sorry, no attorney fees. They can keep the kit. You just paid for the guardian ad litem $78,000 for a guardian ad litem bill. Mm. And she didn't even know what a guardian ad litem manual was. Mm. I, I asked Teresa this, telling this story, how does it make you feel? Do you still feel that pain? Do you feel sort of like you're, you're moving this fight forward when you talk about it uh, on podcasts and videos? We have to let the other the other couples, parents, uh, know exactly what to expect because we walked in there. You know, when you're 21, you know, you think innocent until proven guilty. I didn't do anything wrong. No, no problem, you know. The older you get, you realize that, you know, you know, maybe things don't always work that way. When you're our age and you, and you watch them take your kid away and you don't have a reason, nobody can give you a reason. I mean, every attorney that you talk to said that can't happen. 
Everybody else that she talked to said that can't happen. My wife contacted a uh, child uh, uh, service group that was supposed to be uh, working with the children, tried to explain it to her, and, and she told her, Dr. Walt, Dr. Well, no, no, that can't happen. You just need to do what CPS says. It's not a CPS case. Well, I can't help you. Well, they also said, they said, you need to tell the truth and we can help you get some visitations. I'm like, well, I did tell the truth. Well, they don't just take kids like that. I said, okay, so I have CPS saying they do. Well, they don't. You need to tell the truth if you want visits with your son. Yeah. And I'm like... I'll send you 670 documents and you tell me what I'm not telling the truth on. Mm, you're, talking, you're talking 15 volumes of paperwork that show that we're the parents and they nailed us for nothing. Nothing. And I'm supposed to somehow tell the truth that what happened didn't happen. It was something we did. And then maybe we can see our child. Well, let me ask you, when you see if should the day come that you're able to see him, do you think he's going to be coached into ways he could talk to you, or will what 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 would you envision that be? He already has been. It's going to take him a while to figure out. You know, hopefully he'll see the video. Hopefully, hopefully he'll see some of the other things that are going on, and he'll realize something's wrong. That's what's our first. He does not realize that his dad was under anesthesia when they signed paperwork in the hallway as three attorneys and not even two attorneys and a guardian ad litem to give our child away. Well, I am I'm so grateful you wanted to join me on this platform to discuss this, and we will have you back as I'm praying updates unfold in a good way. And please let us know what else we can do here in New York um, to help you guys out. Thank you. Just... We realize it's a nationwide problem, and we're going to have, you know, I, I think each state is going to, going to have to take on the problem, you know, or it's going yeah. to get worse. Well, are you partnering with any other outlets that are dealing with this fight, like any organizations that have been helping you in this fight, or do you know of organizations that have been part of this? No, no, there are no organizations that are part of this. You know, I've been out five years. I have a Facebook page called Spokane County Court Corruption. I've picketed in front of the courthouse. I've begged for help. I've written letters. I, I sent 160-something letters to my senators and House of Republicans. Not one person has called me back. I've made over 50 contacts with law enforcement and government government people, senators, House senators, AG's office, etc. Nobody has ever written me back other than to tell me it's a family matter. Sorry, they can't help. One thing that people can do nationwide is vote for term limits. That way, once they, because they get in there promising you the world because they're going to work for you. And when they get in there, you end up working for them. They do whatever they want, and then they vote themselves a pay raise, and we got to get to the point where we can get rid of them as quickly as we got them in there. Yeah, and they stay in there as long as possible. So that's a, that's a great point, Ron. Well, thank you both, and I will definitely have you back as the days unfold here. Well, thanks for your thank time. You. Thank you. Bye. God bless you both. I'm Alexander Garrett. This has been the Saturday Sit Down on Alex Garrett Podcasting.